The podcast you're about to listen to is part of the Professional Casual Network. To find more podcasts like this, please check out professionalcasual.com. The Professional Casual Network has gear. Check out teespring.com slash store slash professional casual for fresh new swag. A huge shout out to our sponsor, beardeddragongames.online. Pick up all your local game store goodness from Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, or Wafurp 4th Edition, as well as terrain, paints, board games, comics, and more. Make sure to use code PROFESSIONALCASUAL at checkout for free domestic shipping or PCME10 for 10% off your total order at beardeddragongames.online. Also, a special thanks to Built Bar for sponsoring the show. To get 10% off your order and to help support the show, use code PROFESSIONALCASUAL at checkout or use the link in the show notes. Okay, so hey, hey, stop me if you've heard this one. I've been emotionally constipated. I haven't given a shit in days. gentlemen this is your host d to the d dr d reaching out through the supervision free source of infinity interfacing i am joined today by my partner in infinity b to the t brady t how is it over there in the universe of oppressive aliens brother you are being saved please do not resist it's always uh whenever we talk about aliens i always feel very uh uh, very unsafe so today on arachne we will be discussing the ei and the umbra that tend to follow it around but before we do that we should probably go to business first Couldn't agree more. Arachne is a part of the Professional Casual Network. If you would like to support the network, please sign up for our Patreon or purchase some hot swag at streamlabs.com Professional Casual Network 1. We are also sponsored by Frontline Gaming, and we'd love if you could use the link in the show notes to go purchase tickets for any of their upcoming events. It really does help us out. The next one that we know of is the Lone Star Open. Uh, Again, we don't believe there's any Infinity events there unless someone wants to go run one real quick. But again, you can purchase any tickets for that event and through our link, and that'll still help us out. And I do know that the tickets for LVO have gone active. I know Infinity is at that one. So if you would like to get tickets for that, Please use the link. I did make sure it was updated in our show notes. So please click that link, buy the tickets through that. You will directly help the show and you'll tell everybody at this network that Infinity is actually why people come here. So that's really exciting. I did find out through the grapevine that the Patreon digital nomad tier for the professional casual network Patreon does give you access to everything else that is in the network so you do get access to the live plays and all that i was told by the big boss not that long ago about that so if you are interested in that kind of stuff there is some great overlap between us and them obviously same network so you get access to all that if you sign up for digital nomad specifically you are specifically telling them that you were here for us so if you like to i don't know pick a favorite kid in uh in your family we you know and you want it to be us that'd be amazing please sign up on digital uh the digital nomad with someone with two sisters will be the first time so you know make make give me the parents love come on please it's it's been so long since i've felt the love of a strange another human being from across the earth and we can never forget our sponsor mr laser at mr 
square.site. I know that he has been busy making things for Shatterpoint, but after that's over, I'm going to try and get some more tokens of, or so, of some kind from him. He's all of this stuff. I absolutely love it. And I'm sure I'm sure we can make some stuff themed for the show through him, maybe some like objective markers or something like that. But I haven't had a chance to talk to him about it yet. Post more on that later. All right. So today we've decided that because we talked about a human faction, we should keep it, you know, keep it balanced, keep it fair. And we should talk about a very, in my opinion, very difficult to extrapolate on the Umbra and by extension, their connection to the EI of the C army as an expert. I'm pretty sure on the back of your room there, you have a degree from a community college in uh, CRMEing. So since you're an expert in this, give, give me the lowdown, brother. What is what is the EI and who are the Umbra? Yeah, so we'll start with the, uh, the EI, because uh, you're going to hear that just thrown around a lot, and it's core to the combined army. So imagine that you know that there is a heaven, and you know that you can get there. Uh, there was an alien race that cre- uh, that knew that you could, in theory, transcend. You, you, you could have your consciousness transcend. And they made an artificial intelligence to do that. And the artificial intelligence got to that point and basically looked at its creators and said, wow, you are all the worst. You suck. You are terrible. You do not deserve Nirvana. And deleted it, like turned itself off and just completely removed itself. And like the very rational level-headed beings they were, they reflected and grew. And by that, I mean, they said, go fuck yourself. And they went and Mago made the evolved intelligence, which is their version of the AI that's more like them. And so the EI has all of their prejudices and their like warlike tendencies. And so it can't find a way to to evolve. It can't it can't get them to Nirvana. So what they decided to do was, well, what if we had more species? We had more frames of references. We had more, uh, essentially, more consciousness, more computing power, more maps for this, uh, this you know, AI to uh, experiment with. And so they basically decided they're going to go out and conquer the galaxy to eventually reach their nirvana. So the combined army really is first and foremost focused on achieving nirvana, and that's the EI's goal. Obviously, it hasn't achieved that, and that's why it's so bent on finding more races. It's even, like, honestly less about the subjugation and more about harnessing that power to, again, eventually, like, reach their version of heaven. Uh, and so to do that, they have enlisted the Umbra as one of as one of the many species to, to help them with that. And in general, they, they send out these Onyx contact forces, which are usually led by Umbra. And so like, one of the quotes that I found that was really good to help you kind of contextualize both those ideas from another alien race because most of the things we know from the combined army are usually from the human spheres interactions or you know toha coming in and being like hey here's here's what we know about them so a lot of it in the lore is very secondhand uh so most of the accounts we're getting are from other people's interaction um but the one i really like is of all the psychopathic murderous races in the known universe the ei has chosen none other than the umbra to bring back disregard the ei's rhetoric and propaganda of its empire it is meaningless. Any power that resorts to employing the Umbra cannot be well-intentioned or benevolent. Nothing good can come from the works of these monsters. So little is known about who the Umbra were beyond that they were very warlike and they either went extinct at some point or were brought to heal through one of the original conquests of the EI. Um, they, the, the EIs embrace those traits and really has used them to serve as their heralds. Enforcers, mediators, lieutenants, judges, executioners, right-hand man. So if you, basically, if you were thinking of who is the combined army to like humanity, like who, who, who do they think of when they, when they 
the EI is mentioned, they're going to think of two things. They're either going to think of the Umbra, or they're going to think of the actual manifestation of the EI, which is the Avatar. Those are the two that, like, fundamentally, but there's just not enough Avatars to go around, and we'll kind of get to that. So something that I've noticed is kind of, I guess, synonymous with, maybe not synonymous, but, you know, they're, they're like parallel ideas, is that Aleph is the humanity's version of, I guess, what you would call the AI. And the Umbra, in my opinion, would kind of be similar to the Ashura, I think is what they're called. The They're the ones that are like the super hackers and all that in the Aleph faction. Uh, so while the Asura are kind of like the Umbra, the tag, whose name is totally escaping right now, that's great radio, that tag is very similar to the Avatar in that regard that the actual tag is the personification of the of the AI or EI in itself. Now, one of the cool things that I like about Sea Army in general is that I get a very strong like covenant from Halo vibe from them because it is essentially just a bunch of aliens. I don't want to use the word like working together exactly because there is some infighting, which we'll probably get into a little bit later. But what I've noticed is that the Umbra in my mind are more like the prophets when you look at that kind of comparison you know the guys in those chairs that are frail and you punch to de- you punch to death and <laughs> and and in th- this situation they'd probably punch you back and you'd probably die but that's kind of what i always think of yeah that is actually very accurate so to kind of go on to the idea of you have the onyx contact force which is what humanity has been mostly dealing with outside of well now they've been dealing with the morats and uh but the onyx contact force there there's many of them and they essentially get sent out and to go try to find intelligent life and you know bring it into the uh bring it into the loving embrace of the ei and essentially these what's so unique about the onyx contact force because you'll see like you have more options you have um Sejvasti. we're not going to go into onyx in, in depth but these are all beings that can act extremely independently these are all the basically the ei has said you are allowed to act not only act on my behalf but speak on my behalf and really the umbra is the one that is doing the speaking in most situations uh again just because just Vosti is really there to do the stabbing in the back and the Morat's there to to take the hits and, and push forwards. So the Umbra really is the one who will be speaking and giving that offer. Kind of like the Halo one, it's, oh, no one's ever killed one. Oh man, it's such a big deal. And we're the, they're the face. We see them all the time. And I would say if you're going to send somebody to do diplomatic negotiation, you'd want to send a Sith Lord or something that looks so incredibly evil that I guess you're pressured into not wanting to say no. Oh, I, I can't agree more. I mean, that that is what brought me, like, Combined Army in general, because I'm more interested in more the alien-looking creatures. But the Umbra explicitly, that Sith Lord, that, like, the, the, that model with the dude with his hand up and the sword to the side. And just, like, this is so cool. I, I want to paint this model. I want to own this model. And then that just kind of, you know, f- fell into me owning Onyx and, and, you know, falling in love with, with Combined Army in general. But it is such a cool Sith Lord you know, style model that just like it emanates that like aggression and that evil uh, that that the Umbra just exude at all times and like all their lore just really like backs up. And I think that it's such a it's just it's just a great aesthetic that they would have to have reached into at some point in the Umbra just kind of what came out of it. Now, from an before we actually get into the actual like nitty gritty of the lore, the word Umbra actually means something. So Umbra is essentially a shadow. It's supposed to be like the dark, like up the. What's a, edit, edit this part out so I don't look. Don't also don't stupid, Kara. Please keep it in. Keep it in. 
So the actual definition of the word umbra is the fully shaded inner region of a shadow cast by an opaque object, especially in the area on the Earth or moon experiencing the, t- uh, the total phase of an eclipse. So generally speaking, umbras are the shadows of like celestial events. So obviously not a word you give something that is positive and happy and <laughs> makes the makes the universe a better place by existing. So think about that as you as we go over this. Umbras are not supposed to be the good guys. Just always remember that. Now, before he dives into it, I will say that personally, I bumped into the Umbra concept in N2 because that was when they first came out. My friend actually played pretty much only Sea Army, and this was before Onyx was even a thing. So this was a situation. It was a weird situation back then where you had to bring Umbra, but it was only vanilla because they weren't in any of the other sectorials, which I think Morats were in there. And I think Shazvasti were the only sectorials that were out at the time. It's interesting to see where they've gone. It used to just be one profile. Obviously, there's more than one now because we're about to talk about it. And I'm very excited to talk about that. So and also I want to know, I want everybody to know that I'm not dumb and the Aleph tag thing is called them a root. Okay, please continue. Yeah, so as you mentioned, there there is more than one profile. There is three total profiles, two normal uh, and then uh, a named character, Norkius. You're going to hear Norkius' name a lot. Norkius, Norkius is the big G. Uh, he, he goes around. He don't care about nothing. So all these profiles focus on the fact that they are elite martial artists. Uh, so all of them have martial arts level four. All of them have courage. All of them are immune to shock and no wound incapacitation. Uh, like... And also, it's always one of those ones of, I don't think I've seen many profiles with martial arts level four. I was always, I was like, oh, Norkis is good at combat. And then I would look at a lot of other like, oh, this guy's really good at combat, martial arts level three. And I was like, oh, the Umbra really are that step above in many ways. Obviously, they, you know, they don't have natural born warrior or some of the other tricks, uh, but they are, they, they are really good at doing a backflip and, and doing a kick in while, while they're doing it. Each variation of these Umbra has something to help them move up the battlefield, as well as some ability to interact with their dodge. So again, they're very nimble. Uh, they're not going to rely on their armor. They're going to rely primarily on movement sh- uh, shenanigans or or just dodging. Um, the Umbra also have several uh, um, several uh, hacking options, and also they have several options you brought in fire teams, which is unique. To, uh, one of the like unique parts about Onyx is every single one of your tags has an option to be in at least a duo, but a lot of them have options to be in Harris's. So they can provide some really interesting uh, fire team options, especially for that close combat threat. You're like, oh, I'll just get in close combat with your tag and, and you know, get rid of it. And Norkius dodges into you and goes like, teleports behind you, tips Fedora, nothing personal, kid, and stabs you right in the back. Uh, so the first one I wanted to talk about is the, I'm going to call it more the leader version, which is your Umbra Legate. Um, you're forsaking some of your more combat uh, weapons and you know stronger pro- uh, gun profiles for NCO forward deployment and a better hacking device. You're going to pay a lot of points for these privileges, but what I like about them is you can save a lot of points to actually run them as a lieutenant, or you can bait them as your lieutenant and use the NCO order and just kind of you know be trying to be tricksy. But they are a little expensive, and you're going to want to put them in the middle. So it is it is kind of more of a risk to have them as a lieutenant. So like you're less baiting that they are a lieutenant, and that like every so often you're like, oh, I'm using my NCO order, and you're like, actually, it's secretly my lieutenant, and like this is the only game that you know that I'll do this in twelve games. You're going for the real big brain play when you do something like that. I I don't know, like coming at it from somebody who doesn't play C Army a whole lot. I see the skills and i'm thinking to myself like this just isn't somebody you really want as an lt in my opinion like he's not really like tough per se he's not like especially difficult to hit and if you hit him he's 
probably gonna go down. He's got the uh no wound in cap, which is nice, but it's like, do you really want to forward deploy Lieutenant up the table? Like, I don't know, it's kinda of weird. And so you you play Onyx more, so I guess I, I have to toss you the question. Is there a very good chain of command option that you would definitely bring if you wanted to run him as hot, like a hot lieutenant? Uh no, not not I think really. so. Uh, I think one of the Morat profiles has chain of command, uh, but it is not. Oddly enough, considering like how I described um, Onyx contact, you would kind of expect chain of command to be almost everywhere because it's they're all kind of supposed to be very independent. But chain of command, I don't, I don't actually think anyone has the skill or anyone who would I who I have thought to bring yeah so i almost never run him as a lieutenant unless i'm really going for the bait for someone who like really knows combined like you you can try to do that bait you know you always have that those mind games especially if you play someone frequently i will say the the dodge plus one inch mim three is what i really like about his profile is you kind of push him into the middle with a spitfire and you just kind of hold the middle or using a character we'll talk about later with a hacking device plus and a boarding shotgun pushing him into, you know, an armory room or something, he actually is pretty scary with with essentially two wounds because you can just be like, yeah, I'll template. And they're like, well, I'll shoot you. And you're like, damn, template. I, I don't care. So I, I do like that about him, but he's probably the profile uh, I think you really need to build your list around the most where the other two can be f- sprinkled in for flavor. You see, it's it's funny. Every time I look at this profile, it reminds me very very close to a one for one it kind of reminds me of a prowler with the bs12 and the high whip and the actual like kind of surprisingly not too bad at being a hacker it's i would i would be annoyed if i played onyx that you can't have a hacking device plus lt hacker because then you could do the impersonation trick where you can protect your lt from like guided missiles or whatever by doing something like that like that'd be a pretty cool trick to do because i know that onyx has like a lot of very secret really good hackers or not even really good they just have like a plethora of hackers that are really good at impersonating you just can't do it with your lt in this situation which kind of stinks i think that would have given it some credence but obviously not and i'm gonna counter and say that I really like I, th- I think you're right. I think the Spitfire profile is probably the one that you'll see the most if you do see this model. I love K1 rifles. They are like sometimes just the words you do not want to hear when you're a big chunky boy standing behind something and you get nailed by a K1 and you're just like, uh, fine, I guess I'll just die. <laughs> so I like I like K1. If I were to play Onyx, which I never will, if I play Onyx, I'd probably give the K1 a shot just to see if it worked. But I can see why this profile isn't something you see all the time. You also just have uh, other access to, to K1 rifles in, in Onyx. But yeah, so we'll go to the second profile, which is my preferred of the two non-named, especially because it links with uh, Zeodrones, which is really cool. The Umber Samaritan is is definitely your lethal option. You're bringing, a de- bringing deadly close combat options with Vorpal Blades and double action close combat weapons. So they get within age. Sure, I'm just gonna huck. I'm just gonna huck my four blade blade at you. I really hope you make your save. You get Perithian, which is probably one of my favorite special rules, but I believe is 100% unique to combined. It maybe could have been in Toha, but I wasn't playing uh, when Toha was really a thing. So for those of you who don't know, if you've never played against combined army Perithian, if you do any wound you do in close combat, you heal a wound, and you can go up to. I believe one over double your max wound. So a one wound model can go up to three wounds, which effectively turns into four wounds because of no wounding incapacitation. So that's a way where like you get all the way down and then you kill something in close combat and start bringing your, your wounds back up. That includes stepping on their throat as well, which is which is very nice. It does have some anti-synergy with Vorpal because Vorpal only counts as one wound no matter how many wounds it took away. 
But that's, you know, beside the point. These dodge really well because they get plus three to their dodge and two inches to their dodge, which is really, really nice. So they're dodging quickly, uh, dodging well and moving at you very quickly. Assuming you make your dodge, I'm notorious for not making my, my dodge rolls, specifically on Norkius. But again, they are fairly fragile, all things said and done. They have no mimetism, you know, it's two armor, three BTS there. They're very easy to kill, but if they can get in and start chaining, that's when they start getting really deadly. If they get into your lines and they can just kind of start ping-ponging through your field, through their dodges, they are very, very scary. For their for their profiles, I kind of like everything but their lieutenant profiles. Again, I don't really want to be pushing my, my lieutenant that deep in, and this one really needs to get deep to get some value. But I think all of the profiles have some merit, and I can see a reason to bring any single one of them. I am a big fan of the hacking profile. I think that'd probably be the one I bring. I think Plasma's amazing. Again, in C-Army, it, it's obviously a little different because you have more access to that kind of stuff. I, I don't know. I look at the profile. I love Super Jump. Anything with Super Jump is going to get a big plus in my book because it's just such a great movement skill. I don't know. It's like you're paying all these points. You get 24 CC martial arts level four. I mean, he's like almost too much in close combat. You know what I mean? Like you're paying for like such a premium where if you're using Super Jump really well, you'll probably get like one good close combat. But the problem with close combat in Infinity is that it's such it's almost like a it's almost like a crapshoot in itself. And no matter who's fighting. I mean, how many times have I watched my like close combat guys get their butts kicked by like a cheerleader? I mean, it's like it's obnoxious how often it happens sometimes. I will say that so Vorpal weapons can actually be thrown. So it's got an eight inch range kind of thing. It does not count for Promethean. I'm pretty sure that that is the case. Not when it's thrown, no. Correct. So if you're going to use a Vorpal Blade and you don't know that, just remember that if you throw it, you don't get to nibble on them. Just keep that in mind. Which kind of, again, detracts from some of its value to me. I mean, it's good to have, obviously, but just keep that in mind. Also, I despise that he does not have mimetism. I really, you know, the thing is, is I wish there was a profile, right, that had minimatism and most of the skills that this guy has, but also the other skills that the Legate has. Would something like that exist, Brady? So yes, except for the mimetism, don't get don't get my hopes up. Uh, don't get don't get all the combined armies. But yes, there is a profile that takes basically almost the best of both. Really, what it is is a supercharged Samaritan. Uh, you you don't get the forward deployment, and you still don't get the mimetism. Sad, but what you do get is you get Norkius, who is terrifying. I should have also mentioned all these guys move six two. So they again they're very 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 cool. Uh, again, Norkius has your super jump, your NCO, your uh, he's got bioimmunity out of nowhere. He's get plus three to his dodge. He dodges an extra two inches. Yeah, he still has his Promethean. He gets an extra burst in his close combat attack, which is very, very nice. You really get to take that variance out. And with a CC 25 with martial arts 24, you're critting on most most things on like 15s, if not lower, depending on you know what you're fighting. So once Norkius touches someone, if he gets into melee, he should he should win most combats. Well, or on you. Right, and again, he has... Actually, what's what's really exciting, more exciting than the Vorpal Blade, is he has EM close combat weapons. So he really, when he starts connecting, he really starts doing a lot of damage. I I tend to run the hacking profile for Norkius just because I'm a sucker for hacking. But I really do think there's a very strong argument to not let him be open to be hacked just because he is going to be pushing forward so aggressively. Granted, I just like, you know, having like five guys who have hacking and us go like, no, you don't get to move into my hacking range. I will have everything. I will roll so many dice. Norkius is expensive. He's very expensive, and if I can like go way back to Adepticon, I had you know I played a two-day event 
and I played a one-day Teams event. And Norkius was in 100% of my list. By the end of the event, I think I had made like three dodges the entire event, and it had gone to the point where I was just like, I just want Norkius to do something cool one time. I just want him to feel cool one time. And my last game, my god, he was like, no, you were thinking taking me out of the list. I got you, boss. He pushed up in the middle, was able to use stealth and super jump to jump behind someone because the way they had put him down prone, stab him in the back, jumped up to the next level, stabbed another three people, only taking one wound. So he's still at full wounds with Perithian. I think Norkius by himself killed basically half the person's army and was still alive at the end of the game because he was doing what what this profile is designed to do and what you'll hear those horror stories for if norkius can get on a tear he just kind of starts snowballing with that perithian the problem is there's a lot of failure points as we've mentioned several times before which is the like hey there's enough i've rolled enough 16s on my dodge and then he stands there with his dick in his hand and is like oh damn i hope that gun wasn't pointed at my face because i have three bts and just dies i really really like norkius i really recommend people put him in their list but like you really do gotta acknowledge if they can see him he's probably gonna die he needs to get within eight inches before he is seen and that's the inherent weakness of just dodging in general, like using dodge in the active turn feels real bad with that single dice going into the ARO, potentially two if they have a defensive team. It just it feels bad. Even on a good roll, you could still roll low and they could just potentially roll slightly higher than you. And then boom, you get shot in the face. It's kind of one of those interesting situations where he's that perfect combination of skills that you need to really just dominate something, but it doesn't always happen. Since you don't exactly, it's not like you go to the table before you make your two lists and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to play on the table where I can use super jump and stealth super effectively. And you also have to hope that your opponent isn't, you know, they have like a slip up or whatever. I don't know. In a way, I feel like he's a pretty good second wave model. He could be like pretty solid in that regard once like a hole opens up. I kind of feel the same way about Kodali in a lot of ways, but we'll, I think we're going to, we're probably going to talk about her later. I've fought him a couple of times and both of the times i've or at least at least the two times i remember playing against him i just shot him and he died so exactly like you're saying he didn't really do much the umbra in general are really good at controlling that midfield i do feel like you know again the dream like i was talking about is that you push deep into the enemy lines you know you're in their backfield just assassinating everyone and it's fantastic don't don't go for that it's it's a trap It'll work like it's your Hail Mary play. But what he's really, really good for is that he can sit, you know, somewhere near that front, that, you know, that that middle line, you know, draw your 12 inch or 24, draw that center line. He sits around there and then dares people to come towards those objectives and then goes like, all right, you want to go you want to go touch that antenna? Like I usually look at these one these Umbra as all the all the missions that have like mid like you know the three across the center line and they're really good at bullying that area because they don't need to go deep and they only need to kill those like w- they may not make their points back but they'll kill those one or two models very very effectively and your opponent may not have a solid answer for it that's where I think you need to play them and like you said the second wave so once you do that big murder and then you're like okay now I can try to push him forwards and make them waste a bunch of turns digging me out. I don't really feel like the game plan, because I've lost enough games trying to do the game plan of, what if I just throw them and kill everything across the board? They're not tagged. You cannot do that as much as I want to. 
Much more of a finesse piece, if nothing else. How do you think they fare in missions like Panic Room and Biotech 4? So I think they're actually fairly solid in those, just because, again, you don't want to get close to them. Because they, if you put something in that doesn't have like a good shotgun, they just go, well, okay, I'll, I'll dodge into you. Like, or especially if they don't have a good like melee weapon, they'll just take the hit and dodge. Like, you know, they essentially get two chances to try to dodge into you because they have the two wounds. And then once they touch you, they just murder you. Like, you're probably not winning in close combat unless you are a dedicated close combat piece. And even then, like we've always said, like like you said with close combat, it, it becomes a dice off. And with Marshall's level four, they're probably rolling slightly better than you. And like, they're really high close combat. They probably have like a five or 10% chance of just critting you better than you to crit them so i would be pretty nervous like i like those in those areas the the flip side of that is everyone's trying to get into that area and they're not a good defensive piece and if you get to a table that they don't have a good way to cross through into the panic room and then hide inside the panic room uh they can just kind of get shot and again if you take a hacking profile they, they have very good willpower but it's not perfect and you trinitying them is a lot better than you trinitying back i would say they're really good against and it's like you're saying midfield fighting they're great at fighting war bands because they have such a good fizz that they can just dodge any template and they'll probably beat there's a lot of really good close combat war bands but like you're saying they're just slightly better than them and they'll probably beat them they might have trouble against like a bear Obviously, a bear can smoosh him, but the natural born warrior, thankfully, he's a good enough close combat person without martial arts that he probably could give a bear a run for his money. I I like Norkius. I really do. He's kind of he, he fits in that same area as Bran for me, where he's really good at a specific thing. And sometimes that thing just doesn't happen. And that's OK. That doesn't make him bad. It's just he has a job and it doesn't always make him a always take peace. Which is perfectly okay. Yeah, the 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 thing I would love to see with the Umbra in general is either you know going down in points. Uh, you know, everyone always likes your models getting cheaper, or like especially for Norkius, the Breaker Combi Rifle is good, but it definitely is one where, like you said, if you ever can see Norkius and you're not within eight inches, just shoot him. Just like just start putting guns into him. Like, oh, but he's my crappy guy. Cool. You'll you'll he's only a BS twelve. You'll beat him in a firefight. You're probably better. That you may even just have a better gun than him as like a generic Pano ten point model. Just shoot him. And that's the Umbra all really have that problem beyond like the Legate with his Spitfire or the the Plasma Carbine if you're in the correct ranges. And the Plasma Carbine obviously has like you know it's a carbine, so it has some pretty restrictive ranges. So in general, like if you you know if you're having trouble with the Umbra, like take a step back, stop getting within eight inches, and just shoot them. That's like legitimately the the best way to beat to beat the Umbra is just like put any old dude with a gun and just shoot them outside of eight inches. He's the him and, well all of them I guess to some extent they're all weak to dice. Yes, they're they're very weak to dice. They just don't have the armor. They don't have the defensive profiles, and they don't have an offensive profile outside of like again outside of the really eight inch when they can really threaten that they're gonna dodge into you. They really don't have any profile that's like that scary. That especially considering that like the cheapest version of any of these, is, I think thirty seven points. So like you can throw some very cheap tra- chaff in, and it will and it should eventually win the dice war against them. You may not be as versed into it, but if you look at vanilla. Sea Army, do they tend to bring any Umbras? Or is it, I, I know, I think I've heard some people still take Norkius, but I don't think I've ever seen a Legate or a Samaritan in a vanilla list. 
If I was running vanilla, I don't think I would ever look at anything other than Norkius, and then I'd really need a reason to bring Norkius, because you just have a lot of options from uh, Shazvasti that can do a lot of the things that Norkius is trying to do, like disrupting that midfield and being that like potential threat to the backfield, like Speculo Killers. You have just a lot more options uh, that are, again, the bigger one is being like cheaper. Again, Norkius fits really well into what Onyx is trying to do. But in, in Vanilla combined, I think you just have, you, you can start dipping into Shasvasi, who is just better at trying to do what Norkius specifically is trying to do. Which is, which is really a shame, but you know, it happens. Like, I'd rather bring Sheeskin than, than Norkius for sure. Sheeskin's gross. Yeah, it's, it's one of the ones that's getting me more and more to, like, I've been playing a lot of Onyx. I'm like, I really should start playing some Vanilla just to really start expanding the toolkit. Onyx has a very interesting toolkit that I think sometimes fights with itself. Sure. To kind of go past that a little bit, uh, just to kind of bring us back around to the Umbra, the Onyx Contact Force, we can kind of talk a little bit about Kodali. We mentioned Kodali. So I think they're kind of, trans- again, they're, they're similar because they're the faces of the EI. They're the faces kind of going forwards. The two other profiles and people we want to talk about, in my opinion, is Kodali and Bitten Kiss. The EI, you know, has some ways to let's say convince people to join their cause and those actually make some pretty interesting diplomats out towards the human sphere which is why they why they sit in the onyx contact force because it's like hey your person who you love who you love and respect is telling you that this is great the first one like the most iconic of these is kodali a, a former tiger soldier working in Yujing, and she eventually, you know, was captured on one of her missions and presumed, or presumed dead, and obviously was not, and was and was captured. The book Betrayal stars. She's the main character and has a lot of interesting concepts of you know what this process of that the combined army does to you as as part of the core question of the book i'm not sure how much spoilers we want to go into so i'm kind of skirting around any kind of actual spoilers i think the book is like five years old at this point so probably not the end of the world if we drop a spoiler you know they ask the question is are they just brainwashing you or is there some kind of like are they finding ways to clone you like a speculo process, like a speculo killer? Are they actually just convincing you? Are these people actually, do they believe what they say? You also see this, uh, you know, maybe some kind of technical implant with, the, you know, your cube. Uh, that's that's probably the most presumed one I found in lore. That, that's what most people are kind of assuming is that they can infect your cube and infect kind of that code and rewrite you and then reproduce you that way. Which you actually see with Alif, you know, when they send soldiers out to go fight combined army, those soldiers don't come back because it's like, it's too much of a risk because if the e was able to would be able to infect Alif. Humanity, it's it's all over. Like a, humanity just will crumble because a too much control. Which I think that's speculated on in the Defiance game, where I think the Alif people that die are they're gone. Like they're not coming back. Yeah, I believe there's even a um in in the Nomads. I think there was like a soldier who went from Alif who went and fought Combined Army, and then was like, "What do you mean I'm not allowed back?" Like and like joined up and be like, "No, this is this is like they're treating us terribly." To to talk about Kodali's profile. Uh, I personally have felt tried to field her a few times, and this was like earlier on when I first started, so I may I, I I may not have the best open picture. But overall, I'm a bit whelmed from her profile. She brings some really good stats and multi-spec revisal level two, which is actually pretty hard to find in combined arm, uh, or at least in Onyx contact. But you're paying a lot for that, you know, for that stats for those stats and the, that equipment. And her guns, I'm not particularly that they don't like the world on fire for me. She has an FTO option, which can wildcard for fire teams, which again, 
has some interesting options with tags to moving up the board and getting her up the board that way. So you're saving a bunch of points and you're still getting, you know, this really nice option if you need it. However, the, the profile that like I most like and experiment with is her combat jump parachutist, just because combined army does tend to suffer a little bit from the we walk at you. Even like the hidden deployment options that they have, like the infiltrating hidden deployments, tend to kind of be stuck at the midline. So it combined army just kind of are onyx. I, I really should be saying onyx because I've been doing all this in the in the in the sense of onyx, and they just kind of push. And so having a surprise parachutist is really, really nice when your opponent isn't, isn't expecting it. And she, oddly enough, has Perithian, which I feel like is a skill that you're probably paying points for and I'm very sad about because, like, uh, she has an AP close combat weapon, but, like, I don't want her anywhere near combat. I want her dancing around the edges, shooting you shooting you with her, like, combi rifle and pistols. What does she have? She does. She does have D charges. That's what makes Promethean good. She does. I always. I always forget you can use D charges. I always think of them. Uh, this is going to really, you know, make me sound like a like an idiot. I always think of them as melta bombs from like Seventh Edition 40k and like Horus Heresy, where it's like you don't use them in combat. You use them against ve- like you walk up and like place it on a vehicle. And so my brain always goes, "Oh yeah, it's a melta bomb. You you use it to like." destroy armory things and it's like no it's dynamite you you run into combat and hand your hand your opponent dynamite and leave and it's like oh yeah i gotta i gotta really embrace that a lot more <laughs> now i know d charges aren't too too difficult to get in onyx from the look of it because it's on the nexus uh, operatives and the grief operatives operative that operatives i speak english i swear when i see the kodali profile especially with parachutists i'm i see her as a way to do that one classified. Do you really want to pay that amount of points for just that? I mean, probably not. But I will say that if um if firefight is on the docket, I probably would I would strongly consider her for the parachute because if you can come in on the deployment zone with a model with Promethean, I mean it's great. Plus the plus one burst on her assault pistols makes her potentially unstoppable on your cheerleaders just because if they're not even if they're even looking in the right direction if she sneaks up i mean she's gonna gun them down with those uzis and it's gonna i think that's pretty strong tactic but one model being good at one mission not exactly the a stellar review well and again she's very good at what she does it's it's similar to to norkius and the umbra where you're the problem is that profile is 39 points so you're paying a lot to do that and you know we've all had that i shoot the cheerleader and like for whatever reason doesn't wound them and they turn around and then they kill you and you're just like what no so so i find that she can be a little bit like all eggs in one basket and then you have uh, onyx has access to the fracta which are way cheaper and do a very similar their stats are worse but they do a similar one that we're trying to mention is like i just need to assassinate some cheerleaders i'll take the one that's 10 15 points cheaper she is really really cool and from like reading old combined army posts it, it sounded like she probably was cheaper in n4 and she may have gone up and I could totally, I could totally see like, oh, maybe it was just an overcorrection. People can tell me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm a noob. Uh, like I've only come in very recently, so I don't know all the history. Uh, but I could, I could see this profile being very, very strong if they're like, oh yeah, she's 25 points. I'd be like, oh god, she's slamming into every single list and killing everything. When I, when I played against my buddy in the N2 days, I, I saw her every single game. She'd come on in, she'd start chowing down on my models. I was probably worse back then, so I let it happen in that you know kind of situation. But yeah, I think she's not as ubiquitous as she used to be. I don't think she's... If people put it on the table, that's like uh, most models in Infinity. If someone's like, well, I really want to play this model. I'm not... Infinity is that game where I'm like, oh, wow, you're just griefing yourself. Uh, not the grief operator, but, gr- you know. Zing! Which, which I really do like about, about Infinity in general, because uh, I'm going through the, the 10th edition change right now. And there's just... 40K is not that game. There's some models where you're like, I want to put this on the table. And you're like, well... 
okay, you're you're playing 200 points down because you put that model on the table. Have fun. The thing with Kodali, every time I look at her profile, is I get super excited about a lot of the things on it, and then it's just missing no wounding cap. It's missing any kind of durability, which I understand for a drop troop, but if you don't take her as a drop troop, like you don't take her as a not drop troop because she doesn't have any firmness. And for that price, it's like, dang. I, I wish the minus three mim was not on. I wish it was just baseline to her kit. Yeah. I think yeah. that would actually, if that was just baseline to her kit, I would, all the things I'd say would kind of turn around because you, like you said, it's just one wound is just so, like one bad dice roll. And it's a little too easy to get that one bad dice roll. If she had no wound in cap or a second wound, you really don't want to give two wounds to Proethean because that start, can start getting yeah. really bad really quickly. Yeah, I, you know, again, the like, oh, wave a magic wand and make one tiny fix. It's like no wound in cap. She she just works just like just like her umbra of her brother and she she has you know worked with in the past she she's she's bros with Norkius but we can talk about the other the other human bitten kiss I really like bitten kiss if for no other reason than you get like uh, they have a nice little blurb that like really kind of helps shape what their mindset is like right now so bitten kiss were both well bit was a hacktivist and she has her little tin bot kiss for you non programmers it's keep keep it simple stupid so she has her little tin bot in her and they're they're trying to hack the system take down the government because you know you want to live in a more free society and get through all the lies that the government's using um so very very nomad very nomad of her but she was eventually captured and she was liberated from her from her prisoner transport uh we're going into we're going into her words which are the correct words she was uh, the combined army liberated her and she and she was able to be shown the truth about the human sphere and what the human sphere really doesn't want anyone else to know that the ei has created this galactic spanning civilization with all these different species living in peace striving to become better and better themselves the ei is a strong transparent leader it doesn't lie to its citizens it's very open it's very honest it's everything that humanity aspires to be so why do we got to be so xenophobic so she volunteered to receive military training and go back onto those front lines to convince the human sphere to join the ei and she acknowledges that like you know humans some force is going to need to be made the ei doesn't want it but this is good for everyone you know you got to break a few eggs to make that omelet uh, which is what i had for dinner congratulations and then uh kiss even got a new you got a new upgraded chassis I mean, it's an interesting story for sure, right? And it goes back to the idea of like why, like it was she did, did she actually was like, oh, wow, this is so cool. Or was she at the beginning, she's a little skeptical and then they shot a, you know, accept alien virus into her brain or like you said, the speculo idea. I don't know. It's an, it's an interesting narrative. I think I've, I kind of wish they would press into it a little bit more. Obviously, there's, you know, sky's the limit with that kind of storytelling. But I, th- I you're going to see bit and kiss. You're going to know why here in a second. Take it away, sir. Oh, actually, I want to jump on that like last statement that you made. One of the big things is Combined Army really hasn't come into the setting because, like, you know, you've been the 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 naval forces have been keeping the Combined Army at bay from all the gates. But as we heard about from Adepticon, that's not the case in a couple, you know, whatever whatever that release comes out. So we may actually start seeing that story pop up a lot more with the Combined Army being able to land and be all over the place that you're going to start hopefully start exploring that concept of what is it like sure people there'll be some percentage of people who will voluntarily go to the ei but there will probably be some idea of like yeah they get your cube and they just like remake you and there's nothing you can do about it and exploring those ideas can be very very interesting and and even throughout history there's been situations where invaders go to places and then they find the i don't want to say the word dregs of society but the people that are usually like in the undercurrent you know 
like the 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 bottom the downtrodden yeah that's a good word for it yeah like the downtrodden the ones that don't agree with the current regime and all that usually invaders will obviously exploit that so i'm sure even in the human sphere where most of humanity's needs are met in the micro economy and all that stuff you're gonna find people who are unhappy and when you can reinforce that whole concept or like that whole way of life of being unhappy with your current situation with brain control technology so that they don't even regret joining your side. I mean, that's like an entire auxiliary army just waiting for you on every single planet. If they weren't so against everything that like nomads kind of stands for, like they would like, you know, other stories that told nomads in a different way. Nomads would be the prime example of they're going to make allies of convenience with nomads. But they're if nomads hate Alif, they definitely ain't going to like super Alif. <laughs> I'm so ready to gush now about Bitten Kiss's profile. I love this profile. I, I played one event without Bitten Kiss on my list. And I think it was even on this podcast where I said, I will never run an Onyx contact list without Bitten kiss that's probably a little bit hyperbolic i probably will but man do i love bit and kiss their profile is great there's two variations i think one variation is infinitely superior to a degree that is like i don't think the designers intended it to be this different but there's a one point difference so i think you always take the picture the picture variation which makes bit have uh, not be a remote and instead be a have a picture instead and I think that is just the way to go. It's you also trade. I think the the way they try to balance it is you get only get a killer hacking device with that with an with an Oblivion upgrade, and the other version has a normal hacking device with an Oblivion and Trinity upgrade. Your hacking device is better, and Kiss is a repeater. Yay! But let's let's we're, we're only really going to be talking about the pitcher version, quite honestly. For one point more, Bit gets a two two shot pitcher and so what you'll see a lot of combined armor players do is bit goes lays down in a corner you know go goes turns on her game boy game boy color because that's how old i am you know gets out the game boy color and she sends kiss out and kiss goes walks like out in the open not a care in the world fires his two pitchers off Bit can also fire her pitcher off as well it's you, you probably do if you can like get a good angle but the more important one is that kiss fires off too and then every arrow bullet comes into kiss and you're like oh no my six point model no but the two pitchers land or at least one of those repeaters land and then you have a hacking you know a hacking network set up in the midfield which again combined army usually like a lot of their cheapest profiles have hacking devices usually they're killer hackers so again you're, you're a little bit limited but it's not very hard to find just normal hacking devices or killer hackers with some kind of upgrade so you can very quickly in a lot of my games you just you make a like eight inch bubble around the midfield and it's like hey if you want to get anywhere close to me you know you're taking two or three hacks i do find it gets like guided missile bot lists i think i've gone against like one and it's just like you're not getting this anywhere where you need to be because if anyone who is hackable gets near me i'm going to kill them i'm going to kill them through the hacking network so you're gonna have a hard time getting those spotlights on me so i i love bit and kiss and they're they're so vital and again they support the umbra a lot of times your umbra are going to be taking hack devices with them so then you have these two midfield pieces moving around well you know stationary and then moving around that can then start hacking into their fields if you really don't want to take hacking you know, obviously you don't take bit and kiss, but if hacking is any way part of your plan, you take bit and kiss for 21 points for what you're getting is just amazing. I would even go as far to say that them in themselves are like a self-sustaining kit. Like if you bring 21 points, they're like almost enough on their own for a very kind of poor man's hacking defense. If you have a few things you just want to protect, I find that having killer hackers in your list is 
I always like to have at least like one because it's kind of like a good insurance policy. Obviously, in Onyx, it's a little different because you guys, you just have so many of them that you could probably substitute it. But I think you're still going to take Bitten. Yeah. The, again, the only time I think about dropping her is if I have literally no other hacking or the mission, like, or the mission pool does not care about specialists or like does not care about hacking at all. But again, like you said, even at 21 points, you're like, you got an Oblivion upgrade and you have uh, and, and killer hackers. So if you go against someone, you can blow their brains out. It is also useful because combined army has a lot of remotes. So it has a lot of remote presence. So a lot of your army is hackable. So like having a good hacking defense is pretty important because a lot of your stuff that you're relying on is hackable. I love her. Marry me bit. This is my podcast proposal. So, you know, it's real. She's your swag. <laughs> yes. Have you ever shot the adhesive launcher on kiss? Yes, actually, there there was one game where I shot it like two or three times because they just weren't kidding them. And I'm like, oh, I can shoot up to like 36 or like 24, like way longer than I thought I could. I'm like, sure, whatever, I'll shoot it. Sure, whatever, I'll shoot it. And again, no one cares. And it's like, it's like, oh, it's just an adhesive launcher, whatever. But might as well shoot it when you can. Kiss's job is to shoot the two pitchers and then die. Or at that point, you just, you don't really care about what Wikis does. Because it's interesting that it also has a deployable repeater. I'm sure that doesn't come up that often, but if for whatever reason he just doesn't die, you walk up and just plop another one on the table. I have never used it, but I feel like there's actually games where that would have been beneficial, especially when you've used all your pitchers. Again, the, only, the biggest problem is you have to stay within eight inches of bit and you don't want to push bit out. But there are some games, you know, where you, the terrain is right or you're, you're actually getting enough aggression or, you know, whatever you whatever. you don't actually care if bit dies because there are some games where it's just like, it's fine. I just need to get the repeater out there. And then Norkius is going to, you know, use his hacking device to hack the tag, you know, total control the tag because that's an upgrade on, on Norkius's hacking device. I should be using that a lot more than I do because I really just use Kiss extremely expensive. It's not really bit and kiss that you care about. It's literally just the pitcher because the only other model in Onyx, at least, is I think the grief operator has the pitcher. And I don't think I've ever seen that profile as far as I can remember. So I think they're also the only model with the deployable repeater. So it's like, again, they in themselves are just an amazing tool for list building as opposed to they're like really good facilitators is what I'm trying to say. They are like the perfect support piece which is why out of everything we have talked about today this is the one that you will see so unfortunately as far as it goes in defense there's really nothing you can do to stop it because like he was saying kiss is going to come out he's going to shoot his pitchers probably going to die nobody cares the best thing you can do is just try and if the, if the onyx player is going first just try to put it in such a way where the repeaters don't get in your way too much but they're going to be there that's pretty much sums it up really, really well of why you're going to see them so much. I think everyone kind of knows any kind of peripheral is good. Honestly, it dying is beneficial in some ways because then once once Kiss dies, you can do your coordinated order to cybermask everyone if you have if you have several killing hacking devices. Again, you can't cybermask if you have a peripheral. So if Kiss dies, you're like, oh no, bit's even safer now because I'm going to cybermask her, Norkius, and someone else. Sure. I mean, with the amount of killer hackers you have. I mean, it's bound to happen. There's a lot. <laughs> so even the best performance that I've had at an event was at Everwinter in Boston. The Raptor Squad has a hacking device profile with a peripheral. I'm not entirely sure it totally applies in this case, but if you can cyber mask a model that has a peripheral, they actually both get it. In this situation, because she doesn't have 
a killer hacking device. Bit does. Kiss doesn't. Now that, I think, if they were more deadly in themselves, you could actually take the killer hacking device profile and you could cyber mask with it and they actually both get it if for whatever reason you were aiming to make some kind of list where that is important. Maybe if you're trying to go poke something. I don't foresee it being a thing, but it is something to think about. If you do cyber mask with a peripheral, you do they both get it, which is awesome. Oh, I thought I thought you didn't. I thought the rule explicitly said you didn't, but I No, the rat that's what makes the Raptor so good is you can give your heavy flamethrower diva bot cyber mask and you just happily walk across the table. Like, hey man, what's going on? Wait a minute, I don't think <gasps> and then you burn. That grandmother has a flamethrower. Oh no. <laughs> everything's falling apart no but yeah they're great i mean it's hard to not sing their praises take bit and kiss if you play onyx and if you're playing against onyx expect to see them and honestly they're probably the profile as well that you would see in generic combined army they're just that good if you're going to go against combined army you find a way to make sure that you can deal with bit and kiss at some point i want to wrap up with like one last thing about the umbra one kind of again a really nice description i found that kind of paints that overall picture of what's happening what's coming to the human sphere in the next couple months everyone be ready their political and military specialty is trouble the causing and suppressing thereof brought forth by the darkness these cruel entities hold a fearsome power that the ei harnesses to inflict the worst punishments and lead mass destruction operations as their wrath ceases unmeasurably. They're so cool in lore. Give me a little bit more on the tabletop. Come on, come on, C- CB, please. They're just missing that, like, je ne sais quoi. They're missing, like, that one little thing to make them razzle-dazzle. They're so close. I mean, it's like, it always comes down to, like, points, right? If they were just, like, slightly cheaper. Or, you know, again, there's, like, so much, like, again, if MIM 3 was based into all of them, and then the like it had MIM 6. Uh, and again, we we could see with the new rules, like, everything's getting repointed or re-looked at to some degree with reinforcements. There also could be about, like, with, I have no idea how reinforcements is working, but they could be coming in in an interesting way and all that. I think Combined Army in general, I think, has a lot of really interesting stuff that I think we... Uh, so hopefully some very interesting shakeups coming in with the with the new rules. I think everyone has some interesting shakeups. You know, maybe we get crabs. Crabs, give me crabs. Give me crabs. CB, give me crabs. I'm pretty sure they've confirmed it. I will fucking windmill dunk my army into the trash and go buy in crabs. I, 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 won't, I won't do that. No, they're my models. <laughs> no, do. At the end of the episode, I wanted to make sure that I brought this up because people reach out to me whenever we say things that are wrong on the podcast. I I don't want to say I'm not going to apologize because we're we're just pretty stupid, honestly. So I did learn that the wording on Minimatism specifically states enemy model. So if you shoot a Medipack at a friendly model, Minimatism does not count because they are not, in fact, enemies. I had that clarified. So last episode, I did say that. Keep that in mind. The other thing that did come up uh, that I never, I don't think I actually said on the podcast, Nagas, in fact, do not have hidden deployment. That was from a while ago. I did learn that very shortly after, but I never did actually announce it. Nagas, in fact, do not have hidden deployment. That was a big point of contention as the why I lost that game. I'm bringing it up now just to clarify that we do, in fact, listen to you guys when you reach out to me. Just know that when we're wrong, we do are learn. You, are you saying, have we made it as a podcast where we have the um, things we got wrong section of the pod? Like, we, we've done it. We, we, we did it. We're we're there. We're in podcast legend now. We have enough episodes. We we've said enough dumb things on the internet. People are coming at us. I love it. We have a keep, lot. Of- keep bringing them. Keep bringing them to us. Maybe this will be a longer section. I'll I'll start deliberately sprinkling in some wrong things for all you treasure seekers to find. The errata. We now have an errata. FAQ errata at the end of every episode that we whatever we said wrong the pre- previous episode. I guarantee you I'm going to get a message about, like, it's called a Marut, you idiot. <laughs> Why didn't you remember that? I don't know, because I don't play Aleph. Aleph are stinky. 
But I just wanted to make sure I brought that up. If anything we say is wrong, please give us a heads up. We will. I will, in fact, read it. You might hurt my feelings, but that's okay. I don't. Have uh, well, I'm the one with no feelings. I'm the alien here. Well, whatever. You're no, you're a weird that. alien. Don't take that from me. Your brain was sepsterized by a spooky alien. Oh, my life is a lie. No. Parting thoughts before we wrap it up. So EI in the Umbra in my brain. I get a lot of Blade Runner vibes, especially with the brain scrubbing. So it's interesting. I think that is more interesting than like the just overt mustache twirling villains that are the Umbra where they just look evil and they're obviously evil and they're going to do evil things and they're going to come up and they're going to crush your skull with their bare hand. Don't get me wrong. That's awesome. But I think the subversive elements of the EI going into like it it could be anybody. Right. So like you're walking around in just the city on a planet. Who knows how many speculo there are? I mean, I guarantee you they're good at infiltrating. How many of those people have been sepsterized? How many of those people are causing problems just because a spooky alien from a million miles away told them? And we'll definitely get to that when we eventually someday talk about all the Shasvasti and all the infiltration. And also, you mentioned, alluded to earlier, there is some infighting inside inside the, the glorious utopia of the evolved intelligence. I really like how they have that covenant vibe. I'm really glad you mentioned the covenant because it is... It is an example of that you see in the uh, in Halo and in this in this universe where maybe we are slightly wrong because you have all these alien species working together and we're and we're kind of going no we're going to be independent and independence is nice but you know when you paint that brush of like hey you have this vast coalition of people who are all working towards a goal again this is obviously the EI spin of it and you come in and going like no my my way is the best way it's the only way that does paint it like you can easily spin the humans as the bad guys in this situation and that like, no, the EI is correct. And it like by bringing everyone together under this goal, you will eventually everyone will go to Nirvana because ever like everyone will agree. But I mean, that won't happen because as we've seen in the lore, like, no, the aliens that created them are just absolutely terrible. They're just as bad as we are. Uh, so you, you, you could never achieve that goal. But like the umber that interesting, the second side of it of the I will I will give you the olive branch. And in my other hand is very clearly a sword. I have the Umbra in one hand and I am giving you the, I'm giving you my hand out. And if you don't take it, I'm going to sick him to kill all your family. Uh, so really how much of a choice is that? Lee? Yeah, it's under duress. I'm pretty <laughs> sure legally they would say under duress. <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting. And then that's one of the best things about infinity lore is that it is literally every, everybody's gray, right? Everybody, even it, like even O12 has like dark sides to it. And a good setting has shades of gray rubbing against each other at the fringes of where the stories are. And that's where interesting storytelling is. At least if you had a, a bit. at least 50 shades of everybody's yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so if you want good storytelling, obviously nobody likes Mary Sue's. I don't think that they're, I mean, I can't think of anything in the universe that has like that Mary Sue vibe to it, but that's what makes it so interesting. And I think that applies to Sea Army. I think it applies to the Umbra, even though they're kind of one note-ish. I really want to see more of them in some kind of setting to kind of go over it real, real quick. Betrayal. I, I actually enjoyed it. I thought the, I thought the manga was pretty good. It's not going to win no awards by any means. It's a pretty simple story. I think the art was great. I really love the artist for that one. And even outlast, I think the art is fantastic. I really wish they would do more of them. And Anytime they ever put one of those books out, you're going to get a model with it. So I'm going to buy it. And I'm a- yeah, I, I liked Betrayal overall. Uh, I, I would hold it up to a lot of uh, people have read a lot of like GW stuff. I'd hold it up to like their their middle tier work where like it's very readable. Uh, it's not going to win an award, but it, it helps expand this universe that you love to spend a lot of time in. And it again, it's it's not bad at all. The next 10, 20 seconds are going to be spoilers. So, you know, skip ahead, skip ahead, skip ahead. All right, I'm going to start giving a spoiler. I really, really liked that they 
showed the the internal conflict of specifically of like Shazvasti being like, no, we do not agree with what the EI did bringing Kodali because she massacred our people. And so Kodali's bringing the Umbra in as like those enforcers. I like that was such an eye opening moment of like, this is really cool. And a lot of the questions that they were asking at the beginning of like seeing how humanity has been trying to deal with the combined army was also really interesting of like, it's this hidden force. So I guess the spoiler part that I just kind of said, unless unless you have something to to add to that. Well, obviously, I think the story notes, if you know anything about Infinity, it, it's it's got a very predictable plot, right? So you see the notes and you're like, I know exactly what's about to happen. You know, they become friends or whatever, blah, blah, blah. At the very end, I like, I like Adil as a character. I admit my exposure to Yu Jing has been rocky just because I've never really played them and they weren't really in any of the lore stuff that I had read. It was interesting to see the main characters be an Imperial agent mixing with Invincible Army. It actually exposed me to things that I was not super familiar with, and I really enjoyed it. I actually was I was surprised at how much I liked it. Do I still think that Yu Jing is probably the main villain of the of the setting? I do, but that's for a whole other different kinds of reasons. I really like Adil. I thought he was a super interesting character, and that in a weird way, kind of got along with Kodali towards the end. But, you know, read it for yourself. See what you think. I thought it was good for what it was. Not everything has to be amazing. Not every movie has to blow your mind. Sometimes you just want to read a story and be happy with it. And that's exactly how I would feel. I had a great afternoon reading it. Uh, Yeah. Let us all know your thoughts. Let us all know uh, your thoughts on what, you know, Dr. D's throwing shade at Yu Jing. Uh, We're always interested to know uh, and get more feedback and all these different things that we can then riff on and add to the errata or add in a like best hate comment we got of the, from the last episode. As long as it's directed to Dr. D, I will cry. What's the dumbest thing that Dr. D has said in the last episode? (laughs) All right, Brady, I think we did it. I think we got an episode in the books. We talked about weird, spooky aliens. Next time we talk about something like this, we got to talk about something actually interesting. How, what do you think about that? Rude. <laughs> Rude. Rude. It was very interesting. Actually, I learned some things I wasn't aware I, I, I was censoring. I got, my one, I got my one curse word in, unless you edited it out, so I couldn't say another curse word to keep it PG-13. Which actually, it's interesting you mentioned the editing thing, because I'm going to mention that in here in a second. So, guys, hear me out. We would love some five-star reviews. We are on Patreon. Do everything you can to support us. We love it. Every time we get a five-star review, you help us out, gets us reaching out to more people. We are quickly approaching 1,000 downloads for all of the podcasts, and we're only six episodes, technically seven episodes in because of the bonus episode, but it's really exciting. Uh, We're getting very like consistent numbers, which is fun. So the people that are listening seem to be sticking around and we love you guys. So we hope to have more stuff to give you guys in the near future. That's awesome. And again, you know, review, share with your family, share with your pets, buy a bunch of phones, download it on those phones. I like that our numbers are consistent. I want consistent higher. Just give me, give me those numbers. Big, bigger number, bigger, better. Big number mean good. So you can find me, Dr. D on discord at Dr. D. Or you can email me at furypainting at gmail.com. I was correct. They did rename the Discord names. I think it was the next day after we recorded that last episode. So they the names have, in fact, changed. And you can find me, Brady T, on Discord at Brady T. Really, really blowing some minds here with how complicated Getting those names locked in. Thanks for listening, Nomads. Make sure you keep it popping out there. And don't let Aleph, or in this case, the spooky EI, get you. Ooh. It's never too late to embrace the involved intelligence. Never!
Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this show, check out all the other great shows here at the Professional Casual Network. Like what, Danny? I'll tell you. On Mondays, we've got the Lost Omens podcast, our Pathfinder 2E actual play, hosted by me, playing through the Extinction Curse AP. Also, streaming on twitch.tv slash professional casual network at 7 p.m. Eastern time, you can check out, oh yeah, the power phase, our Marvel Crisis Protocol live battle report show. On Tuesdays, the podcast version of, wait, did I roll a wild? Our Marvel Crisis Protocol povlog is available. On Wednesdays, alternating releases on the Patreon, we have Settling the Southlands, our homebrew Wolforp actual play, and The Slithering, a Pathfinder 2nd edition actual play. And on Thursdays, live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on twitch.tv slash professional casual network, we've got, wait, did I roll a wild, our Marvel Crisis Protocol povlog. You can also check out back episodes of Elite Eight Showdown and the first 39 episodes of the Lost Omens podcast, the first 24 episodes of Settling the Southlands, and the first handful of episodes of The Slithering on the YouTube at youtube.com slash the professional casual.